Welcome to Momo's Bookcase, a podcast where we dive into the books from our childhood and see if they still hold up today. Our guest on this episode is Katie Wilson. Katie is a faculty member at the Second City Chicago and fresh off their directing program. She performs sketch comedy and improv in Chicago and Minneapolis, as well as occasionally podcast producers for KO Comedy. In her past, she was an elementary and middle school teacher for eight years. Unfortunately, she is also a Disney adult. Enjoy. Hello, Katie. Welcome to the pod. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? All right. A little tired, which is not unusual for me. I do not sleep, so. I think you and I have that in common. Yeah. Probably works best for this book because this is the book my parents desperately tried to get me to fall asleep to. Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh. <laughs> got a connection already. That explains why I'm so sleepy. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, great. I'm so excited you're here this afternoon, morning. Um, so before we get into the book that you have brought for us today, I want to hear about what you. Are currently reading all right uh so when you asked me this question i was like great time to embarrass myself uh i Ooh. normally am reading like adult books where i'm reading things like memoirs and a lot of comedy memoirs and stuff but i've been reading a lot of manga lately there's no are judgment you... here no, no judgment no uh and uh it confirms I'm a huge uh, Disney adult and an anime fan mm-hmm. and a video gamer. So uh, I've been reading a lot of the Kingdom Hearts series. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't I, know they I had mean, a manga. Okay. They do. They do. I didn't know they had a manga either. And I was teaching um, when I, my last teaching job when I was in the psychiatric hospital, the kids were in love with the mangas because you could just pick up the book at mm-hmm. any time because um, kids were only there for a couple of days and so I had just a collection of graphic novels and that was a couple of them and then I never finished them so Amazon just loves me right now because I've just spending because it's the only place where I can find the random oh, copies really okay yeah. yeah I'm a strictly used copy fan though like gotcha I, oh okay gotcha mostly because they're from junior highs and I love to see what kids scribble into yeah. the but I've been reading a lot of those. Um, currently, I'm on the Kingdom Hearts three series, which okay. means I've read them. I'm knee deep in. You're in. Okay, I'm nice. In. Have you? 26. Have you looked at ABE books? Mm-mm. They Mm-mm. it's a used bookstore. It's like American Book Exchange, um, oh. and they have a lot of used books from a lot of different sellers. So mm-hmm. you don't want to give big boss man bezos more money you could look there uh yeah yeah yeah. that's uh that's good that's good i like um yeah no judgment i was into manga in high school and i think i still have a bunch of them uh my parents house it's funny that you mentioned that you normally read adult (laughs) (laughs) uh because the the last thing i read is actually a picture book uh called big by vashti harris Mm -hmm. Um, it's about a little uh, black girl who's like real, real chubby and is taking ballet classes and like starts getting picked on and made fun of for her mm-hmm. body and her like figuring out like her own self-worth and like 
Rediscovering Dance. Um, which if you've seen uh the Momo's Book Club post, I talked about this I think last week, um, when this is being recorded, because I have been looking forward to this book for a while. And then I went to Booked in Evanston and I saw it on the shelf and then immediately started crying in the store. <laughs> so I was so excited to see it. So that's um the last thing I like finished or, or read. So that's yeah. I've that. heard a lot of good things about that book. I, yeah. It's uh there's a there's a cool thing like especially as being a teacher in the last 10 years that there's just so much more in a school library than mm -hmm. there's been in the past unfortunately i'm sure it changes state by state but uh that uh there's just there's just more books than there's ever been before and that was yeah. one of the next ones on my on my class list and i think i think someone bought it for my my classroom but i never got it sent to my room because of COVID. So there was just a backlog of books that have been sitting at the district office. And then that one was one that was sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. So I need to read that one. It's a good one. Uh, beautifully illustrated. Uh, Vashti Harris liked my post on Instagram. Very exciting for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that's the last thing um, that I read. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm, I might dive into the Addie books from American Girl again, mm -hmm. um, just because I haven't read them since I was a kid and I kind of want to view them in like adult eyes. Maybe we'll do an episode about that because maybe that's something I want to do too. But yeah, that's what yeah. I'm currently reading. Or Honestly, the, reading. yeah, I mean, the American D Girl doll books, I, I have fond memories of those as a kid too. We, we were very broke growing up, so we did didn't have American Girl dolls, but we had this very off-brand version called mm -hmm. the Magic Attic Club dolls, um, which I thought were way cooler. Do you remember those? They had books too. Something is like I I need to see the cover of one. The whole the whole thing was like these girls. I, I don't even remember whose house it was, but it was like a group of friends and someone had an attic. And every time they opened up a trunk in the attic, they found like all these costumes. Okay, and yes. The dolls. I thought it was way cooler than American Girl dolls. And I ended up being a history teacher, which I should like American Girl dolls more. But I just felt there's just like more possibilities. And okay, yes, I definitely had these. You know? Okay, yeah. yes, I did. I did. Yeah. I did. They were great. <laughs> The cool thing was is that like I felt like American Girl dolls you you were kind of stuck like if you had a certain doll, then they had to have the certain things. Whereas like yeah. Magic Attic Club, my sister and I both had one. I had a doll that looked very much like me, but my sister had a doll that looked nothing like her. But then their clothes could swap, and we could we could like it was just so much more like, all right, you buy the genie outfit, and I'll buy the river raft outfit, and we'll swap. And I'm sure my mother still has those dolls somewhere, but. I feel like, yeah, I'm like, I'm looking at the covers now. Okay. I had a lot of these. No, I had a lot of them too. Yeah. I, like, I had the first three. I think also because the American Girl series, there are only like maybe like six books, I think, total for that doll. And right. you only got the one character, whereas this is like about four different girls and each book features one of them, but like you get to come back to them yeah. time and again. Yeah. Yeah, I think I jumped out of order, but I definitely had Heather at the bar, because it's a ballet one. 
Mm -hmm. I had Heather. That was my doll. I feel I like I know. had. There's a blonde one. What are all their names? So it's um, Allison mm -hmm. is the brunette with darker hair. Um, maybe she's the blonde one. And then there's Heather. Mm -hmm. There's Keisha and Megan. Okay. My sister definitely had Keisha. I think I had Heather. I did not have the blonde one. I had the brunette one. What was the other one? What was the other one? Heather, Allison, Keisha. Megan. Megan. Megan was, was the redhead. Megan. No, I did not have Megan. Yeah. I think um, Allison's the blonde. They ended up bringing in a couple more at the end. There was a couple. Man, that was that was a great series. That's so funny. I totally forgot I had these, some of these books. Um. Maybe I have to revisit these. I have to, my parents are moving actually, so I get to go and discover all the books from my childhood. I gotta bring them up here or figure out what I'm doing with them. I'm probably gonna keep them. Um, spoiler alert. Yeah. Did you ever feel like when you went into your parents' library, like, and I, when I first became a teacher, obviously I had nothing in my classroom library. I mean, the school, I was lucky to be in a suburban school at Minneapolis. So where there was some money that I could just like kind of ask for some books, but then of mm -hmm. course I had to bring in some of my own. And so I brought some from my parents' house and then I put them on the shelves thinking, oh, these are great. And then I would kind of reread them and I was like, nope. Yeah. 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 That's kind of like what sparked this, right? Because okay. this whole podcast, because we're like, great, here are these books we loved as kids, um, but there wasn't a lot of representation or even... Mm -hmm focus on the things that we value today or that some of us value today right. or at least I value today so kind of like going back and reading these books and seeing if um they still hold up if we still want to share these with with kids today because I think there is a lot of value in older picture books like they're still you know right there's still books that hold up you know we love Ezra Jack Keats because you know Snowy Day is on every kid's bookshelf right so yes. There are books that are classics um, right. that maybe we forget about, but are still great and worthy of, of a read. Um, speaking of which, Katie, mm -hmm. you want to give a little intro? Or what is the book that you picked for this episode? Uh, the, there's a monster at the end of this book. Yes. Yes, uh, it is. There is a monster at the end of this book. Uh, that's one of my favorite books as a kid. Um, and And... It, it was, it, was it always a golden, a golden yes. book? Okay. That's what yeah. I thought too. Um, my grandmother always had a, a collection of golden books and that was one of them that was sitting in, um, both of our houses. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I feel, uh, a little ignorant here. I don't remember who's the author of this one. Um, John Montreux. Stone. Yes. John Stone. Illustrated by Michael Smolin. Yes. Yes. I knew the illustrator. Um, because he illustrated a lot of the Sesame Street books. I think he did. I think he was yeah. like their kind of on-call illustrator. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a golden book. I forgot how short this book was. I felt yes. like as a kid, this just was a long book. <laughs> it's like 31 pages, 24 to 31 pages, depending on yeah. who you ask. I guess I could also count, but I didn't count. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, intro to this book, it's it just the whole game. I think this is one of those things where I like later on in my comedy world, like this was kind of influenced my comedy. Uh, yeah. It was like constantly catching somebody and like making you 
keep reading or keep uh, listening to the joke mm -hmm. until you get to the end. Um, one thing I will say about this book, uh, scared me so much as a kid. Were you scared of this book? No, no, I was terrified of this book. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I don't know if I was just a big baby or something, but when I, we first read this book as a kid, and this is one of my sister's favorite books. And, uh, you know, the whole game is that Grover doesn't realize he's the monster, even though we all know that they're monsters on Sesame Street. Yeah. <laughs> it's very clear. It says it all the time. But my, this is one of my sister's favorite books. This is probably growing up. We'd be like, oh, pick a book to read before bed. And she'd always want to pick this book. And I think it wasn't until I was about five or six. I was like, I don't want to finish this book. There's a monster at the end. And I totally bought into it like it wasn't a joke. And it scared me. And I think and I was about six or seven. I was probably in like first grade and we finally finished it. And I was like, oh, it's Grover. <laughs> it took years. You're like, oh, that was, man, I could have been finishing this book. I could have been. Dang. <laughs> like the last page where Grover says he's embarrassed. That is. Yeah. That is, that is you. Grover. That is you. Oh, uh, you are Grover. I am Grover. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah. All right, before I'm going to share my memory in just a moment, but let me give a little background. I, I, I did a lot of research for this 24 page book, but it's fine. Um, it's fine. I want to hear more. Yeah. Great. So, you know again, way more than me. I just, it's a little, little Googling, you know, it's a little research. Um, yeah, light research. So, written by John Stone, illustrated by Michael Smolin. Uh, John Stone was a series writer and principal director of Sesame Street mm -hmm. until 1996. So, he's credited with, um, helping create a lot of the monsters we know and love from Sesame Street, like Big Bird and, um, ooh, what was the other one? Oh, Cookie Monster was the other one that he's kind of credited with. Um, this was first published in 1971. This mm -hmm. book is from the 70s, a very early time of Sesame Street, and is apparently maybe one of the all-time best-selling Sesame Street books. We don't know for sure, but that's, that's the claim. As of 2021, there have been 31 million copies sold, um, 67 editions, making it one of the top 10 little golden books. This is like the big, one of their biggest sellers is this book. This book is kind of groundbreaking in that it led the way for other self-aware kids' books like The Sticky Cheese Man. And I would even say The Book With No Pictures. I was going to say the same, same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some of the sequels... Um, I know I had some of these. Would you like to play hide and seek with the lovable furry old Grover? And then another monster at the end of the book starring lovable furry old Grover and equally lovable furry little Elmo. There was a TV adaptation that came out in 2020 on HBO Max that I haven't looked for, but I want to I want to watch. I meant to watch it before, but I'm going to watch it after this. Um, and then there was a Supernatural ep episode, season four, named the monster at the end of this book where um a demon was writing stories about sam and dean and so like it was kind of a call out to this book in supernatural <laughs> no that's yeah insane. <laughs> that's like, crazy. i'm like who who was a big fan of sesame street in this book and then decided to write a supernatural episode about this which is super fun I mean, I think that really makes sense, though. I I didn't know any of 
I knew it was a golden book, but I didn't realize how successful it was in the golden book series. Right. It's like the little puppy, what's whatever the puppy one, the little engine that could. Yeah. I, there's, there's just such iconic golden mm-hmm. stories and that one is so different from the rest and maybe that's why it's so successful yeah but 1971 i mean you have an entire generation and then probably now two generations following it who are passing this story sure. to yeah kids. Um, yeah and yeah that's not surprise supernatural always i shouldn't be surprised by their cultural references at this point no they're very smart joe i don't know it's a fun show i haven't watched a, a lot show. of it but, but now i want to watch that, that episode too maybe i'll go in a whole monster at the maybe end there's of a book. part two where yeah. we just watch that and watch all of these and talk about it yeah 100 percent. yeah um yeah. so my memories of this book are i was not afraid of it that's a fact um well, I thought we were going to have something in common, but I guess I'll have to go to therapy for this problem. It's okay. You you are Grover and you figured it out. Um, <laughs> so I had this book. Um, we also had the hide and seek one, which I remember vividly. And then we also had lovable furry old Grover's resting places. Did you have this one? Mm-mm. So it was just... <laughs> Is it just a book of him sleeping in places? He would like find different shapes and then just like curl his body into that shape and like rest. Actually, now that you're yes, my grandmother had that book, and I, I like I said, I never slept as a kid. My parents really struggled when I my mother would put like the little locks, you know, those locks like mm-hmm. the childproof up. She put them inside my room because I'd learn how to got get out of everything, and I she'd have to sit on the door and I'd stick my fingers underneath. They would drive around for 50 miles around Minneapolis to like make me fall asleep. This probably was one of those like, look at how tired Grover is. Look at him resting in these different places. Where would you like to rest? Yeah, You can sleep anywhere, Katie. Just sleep. Uh, So (laughs) now I have that. Yes, I do remember that book. Yeah, these are like household favorites. I remember Mm -hmm. loving those three uh, a lot. And I remember I we talked about this book before, and then I couldn't remember who I talked to mm-hmm. about this, and so I posted like a meme on Instagram, being like, "Who was this?" And immediately people were like, "It wasn't me, but I love this book." And I was like, "Oh, I didn't realize that it touched so many people." I mean, I guess I mean there are a lot of books that we didn't have the internet and we didn't know each other when we were kids, but <laughs> couldn't call people, but people really love this book a lot mm-hmm. um which is yeah i mean amazing but why let's talk let's figure out why um <laughs> i really think some of it has to do with this and we're both comedy people but mm. and i think we know a lot of comedy people i really think it's like this idea of a game like the book gets tricks it there's something cool about like our generation of children's literature, everything prior to that was like adults writing for kids mm-hmm. in a sense of like, this is what we think kids are like. And I, and I hate to give credit to it. Cause now it's kind of problematic, but like, I loved Harry Potter growing up. And so mm-hmm. like, that was the final shift of like, no, we really have kids and young adult literature, but Grover 
these these Grover stories, specifically Monster at the end of this book, like they they got to it faster than other kids' books. Like you could read that book and be 10 or like 11 years old. And I do remember getting older, my sister reading that book to me, like mm -hmm. Jessica practiced reading. And then she would read that to me before bed because my parents used to read that to me or my, my um, grandparents used to read it to me. And then suddenly my sister started reading it and it was still entertaining. Yeah. Uh, and when we said we were going to talk about this book, there was a video on YouTube. I was looking it up on YouTube to see what other people had and someone had a little grover puppet and they were telling this book to their kid and it was clearly re like recorded during the pandemic and you could just hear the laughter from this little kid must have been like four years old mm -hmm. and there's something about that comedic game that like grover is like convincing the audience like please don't do this that the kids are just like oh no do it do it because he's really clearly going to and it's keep going it's good heightening for those of us in yeah. the comedy improv world because he goes from like asking you not to do it to then putting up ropes mm -hmm. to then like building like a wood wall and then a literal brick wall and you yeah. keep like you know so there is very much yeah a game of this book it's there's it's yeah it's a game it's fun when every time you turn it and he's like oh you did it you're so strong it's like such a little fun little game of yes and mm -hmm. going on there um, makes the kids think that they're the ones doing it too. And when you're yeah. little, you don't understand that at all. But that's exactly, I think that's why like a book with no pictures is so fun right? for kids. It's because they feel like they are part of the book. Mm -hmm. And this definitely, and that's kind of maybe the shift of kids literature towards the, the la later half of the 1900s early 2000s is that books feel like 1900s. kids have 1900s 19 1900s that's what i'm gonna say i'm gonna do it because children's literature in the early 1900s is really scary yeah. uh get used to it we're in 2023 that's what i tell kids um you're like you're old miss wilson uh, uh um but yeah, I think the I think that's kind of where children's literature changed is that kids had like a stake in it. Like yeah. choose your own adventure books. And like now, like thinking about 1971, those are getting big in the 80s, mm -hmm. late 70s. And that is I think that picture book is a predecessor to choose your own adventure books, you know? I feel like you get to keep going or you get to pick what you're doing where you're do we want to keep turning the page? Or in my case, I want to stop the book because I'm scared of <laughs> the monster at the end. I am done. Um, I'm done. Yeah, for me, when I'm, because I do some like childcare on the side sometimes, books like this and uh, Stinky Cheese Band are also fun for me to read. Yes. Whereas like, I'm going to say something controversial, but like I get tired of reading Little Blue, Little Blue Truck. Okay, I get tired of reading Little Blue Truck. Why would that be though? I get tired. I think it's uh, engrossing. I when I'm in it, I can't. Put Am it. I I'm the just... only one who doesn't like <laughs> Little Blue Truck? I'm kidding. I that like, oh. is so boring. I was like, <laughs> there is a Little Blue Truck. Um, little no, Blue I... Truck drove into the city. Beep beep beep. Isn't that pretty? I have memorized it because I read it so many times, but. 
a book like this and a book with no pictures, it's like fun for me to interact with the kid and it's already giving me ways to interact with them where like I can ask questions or, you know, we can have this moment of like, uh oh, Grover's upset, should we keep going? Or even just like right being dramatic and reading it as Grover. Like it already has so much built in fun for me as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um did you hear Grover's voice when you were reading this? Oh yeah. Okay, great. Oh yeah. Uh Grover's voice well, I mean, and, I, and now like we're saying 19, I did, I did not believe I did not realize it was 1971 that's when they made this book. But mm-hmm. like that's like the classic Muppets Sesame Street group of people, Jim Henson, mm-hmm. Frank Oz. And you you when you rewatch those you're like, "Oh, that's also um Gonzo." You know, like yeah. Rover's got a little bit of Gonzo in him. He does. And so yeah. Gonzo was one of my favorite Muppets always. And I think even now he's one of my favorites because he's mm. just so silly and adult almost. Um, and his love for the chickens are, is strange. And I love that. Um, it's very strange. It's weird. Uh, Camilla is the chicken? Yeah. Camilla? Yeah. Camilla. I think I like Camilla more now as an adult. Yeah, uh, that's fair. She's the one controlling that relationship. Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, she's got him uh but that voice those voices are so iconic so you read them and you're like i think my dad could do a good uh grover impression so i do remember him trying to do the grover voice Mm -hmm. while he was reading it i could hear it but i couldn't do it if i tried to do it it would not come out the same way um no uh, my favorite muppet is still miss piggy yeah she's great piggy it is she um when i was a kid i don't know what year this was but like i was little and we went to mcdonald's and they were giving out like plushies that's how I mean. it's like the 90s mm-hmm. um they give it a plushie it must have been the year i don't think it's this old but the year that a muppet christmas carol came out maybe which is the best christmas movie um i don't know what year they came out and if it's older yeah. than me Bless, but they're doing some kind of promotion and i had the a miss piggy plush mm-hmm. and i lost it at some point and apparently was a huge wreck an emotional just mess and so my parents went and bought three of them and brought them because <laughs> as a kid i would play and i'm like why do i have like two <laughs> miss piggy dolls in my room like, they're like oh because you lost it and we went and bought three more to make sure this didn't happen again right so pro tip parents, if your kid likes something a lot, buy more of them as backups just in case. <laughs> okay, so you tell this story and everyone's like, oh, this is really like, a sh- it's not even shameful, but like kind of embarrassing. But like my my partner and I, when we first started dating, I told him something along in this story too, where like there was some bunny I had that we I brought it to a wedding and then the, the caterers just picked up all of the stuff off the, mm-hmm. the tables and took the butt and it was just a nightmare, right? And so my parents had to buy a bunch of stuffed animals to replace them, right? My boyfriend's thing was a Barney doll. And it was the same thing as the Miss Piggy that he mm-hmm. had this Barney doll that he loved so much. It literally, the stuffing just came out of it. Yeah. Right. This is pre-internet. His mom had to call the manufacturer wow. of these dolls and asked them to send him to, or send her like one or two of them. Cause she was like, my kid, this thing is not gonna, it doesn't have very much left. And I can't like 
he's not old enough for me to like take it away from him and say like you need to be nice to this thing yeah so like pre-internet because now you could probably google and find that big miss piggy probably yeah or you could at least like ask forums or you know you could figure it out people could could get you that yeah which means your parents had to go find yeah multiple of those yeah were they you said they were mcdonald's toys yeah they're mcdonald's like happy meal toys and they were like do you remember when the beanie babies came out and they only sent a certain one to certain yeah. mcdonald's yeah so that means that they went to multiple mcdonald's they probably had to and drive like, around to make sure to get yeah because one was like slightly different yeah um one had like a, a red cap like a velvet cap kind of a thing going on yeah that sounds like muppet christmas carol yeah i think it was um oh yeah so yeah Miss that she's my she's my favorite hands down i love what is it the muppet um caper mm-hmm. in the first moment movie where mm-hmm. she's like working for french vogue <laughs> <laughs> yes she always had the best jobs the muppet <laughs> the muppet office show that was on like 2015 oh yeah so good i will die on this hill it's a great show but she was like a late night talk host talk yeah. host there was no female talk host for like late night and miss piggy was one of them and i was like well, this show should oh, not great. get canceled right it's great and- it did of course um yeah she's my favorite hands down we used to watch and we're going off on muppet tangents now i love a good muppet tangent um mm-hmm. but muppets take manhattan was our favorite oh because it was also a musical i think more so than other more movies songs. yeah um and that's where we see the muppet babies in that movie too before it became mm-hmm. a tv show i want to say yeah. Um, but he's uh, obsessed. Obsessed with Miss Piggy as a kid. Mm-hmm. I love the prong. The king the king prong yes. is the chef? Right? Is, is he no, the chef, chef too. I Oh no. No, the Pepe the the King Prong is with Gonzo in Muppet Christmas Carol. That's right. And they're telling the story. I think that's the first time you really see him or see him more. And then they're always paired together now in everything. That's so funny. And I think those two might be my favorite characters, mostly because together they're like a really good comedic duo. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I love that. And the mouth on the prong. Hello. Like he just talks like this. It's He's like, very it's like very much like a hand puppet. Like, yeah. not a, yeah. <laughs> just like the thumb is moving. <laughs> yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. I love the Muppets. Speaking of comedy. Um, so I read this over the weekend, and there are two places that I literally laughed out loud as an adult reading this book. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was the first dramatic, you turn the page, and it's full, like, telenovela. He's got his hand to his forehead. He's like, you <laughs> turn the page. And I was like, so dramatic, but so funny. Um, and then the one you mentioned before him saying, I'm so embarrassed at the yeah. end is so funny to me. <laughs> for those who haven't read it for a minute, let me just recap. Um, the last <laughs> page, um, Grover figures out that the monster is him. He's like, me. He's like, I, lovable, furry, old Grover, am the monster at the end of this book. And you were scared. This is, that's for you, Katie. It's mm-hmm. Cassie. Um, so he's like, scared. I, he's like, yeah, I told you. And told you there was nothing to be afraid of. And then you turn the page and you see him just thinking, oh, I'm so embarrassed. And I just, I just laughed out loud. 
Oh, it's such a great bit. I love it. <laughs> That's the most adult part in that whole thing. It, like first there's a little wave of gaslighting. Uh, <laughs> <over>. <laughs> it's like, I told you, I told you it wasn't scary. And I was and you like, were oh. scared. Oh. And you were scared. Like, oh, thanks, Grover. Thanks for gaslighting me. I didn't yeah. need that today. Uh, and then, then it kind of gives the wave of like, oh, sometimes people say those things, not because they're jerks. Sometimes they say those things because they're jerks, but also because they're super embarrassed themselves. And yeah. it's very real. And I think that's why adults like continue to read that book. One, I think we already talked about it. It's just really fun to read, but also just like what a real recognizable emotion to tell kids is like it's okay to be scared and then mm -hmm. when you are scared and you realize it's something silly like it's you're in the dark and you see something move and then you turn on the lights and it's just like something hanging and there's a little bit of a breeze like we're all gonna feel that feeling mm -hmm. and it's okay to be a little embarrassed mm -hmm. and laugh at it yourself yeah. and i think that's such a wonderfully real and human feeling and also audibly funny i laughed at that part too i forgot about that line i was like what is the last thing on this page i know there's something after the end it's an in credit moment before in credit moments were a thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll credit this book for that because all those gen Again. xers love it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i also love that they use the like the boring um publication page or the title page they still put something fun on it so as Grover being like this is a very dull page What's the next page i'm like you are not wrong but even like that has some value and gets some right gets the joke in yeah which i love there's lots of jokes in that book i also one thing that stood out to me and i forgot is this might be one of the first times that we see font be used a certain mm, way in the book, mm -hmm. which for golden books, there weren't really any, I don't, I can't think of any other golden books that are like iconic at that time and growing up where they used font in such a way where it's like you read things and not only it's like you have, you know, you know, grammar that makes things seem exciting, but then for kids, it's like, this is, he's saying it this certain way and you can read, it leaps off the page for a kid. And that, mm -hmm. I don't remember a lot of books like that growing up. It's almost like a comic book, but they put yeah. it into picture book. Yeah. Picture book form. The word me, it's, isn't it? It's got a little hearts and stuff and it's got little sparklies around it. And monsters always like in pink. Yeah. Um, every time they bring it up. And his handwriting in this also feels like, well, the font feels like handwriting mm -hmm. with like lots of onomatopoeia and big word, big words and yeah. different thoughts yeah that is super fun it makes it's exciting to look at too as well as to listen to which yeah. I love. which also makes like the dull part really funny because you can tell it's just like kind of slapped on there it's like oh this is a dull page this is boring. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh you're all it is it. it is the dullest page of the whole book it sounds like though bringing this call back uh way back at the beginning though it's not dull for us adults when we read all of that information yeah, now no. we're like oh yeah cool interesting which for kids is like that's boring skip that and the parents get a chance to be like no it's important oh but look here we what have all of this information and also <laughs> grover's asking us questions from the top. 
Oh, yeah, that's, I love that book. Oh, I, so, I don't, yeah, go no, for it. Go ahead. No, you go. I know you go. I don't remember what I was going to say. Okay. Well now, yeah. <laughs> now um, so we have this book written in 1971. It is 2023. Would you give this book as a gift to a youth in your life oh yeah i think i think if uh a lot of the kids in my family are well i have an i have a second cousin i have a cousin who just had a kid so yeah i'd probably give this book i'm actually more curious to see if my grandmother still had this book she just recently passed and she has a bunch of books and she has been trying to give them away because she wasn't doing too great towards Mm -hmm. the end but um she always gave the golden books and this one was always in there and i definitely would give this book to kids i would definitely put this one in the library if i was still teaching in elementary school yeah and i taught a lot of kids who spoke english as a second language and they were learning english and this is definitely a book that i think even if you were 10 or 12 or 11 or even like in high school you'd still enjoy because it's just very visually stimulating it's very yeah very dramatic very he emotes a lot in the illustrations i think you could look at it and still get something out of it even not knowing what all the words mean 100 percent. yeah i agree and there's not a i don't think there's a single thing in there that like i think when you read books even 10 20 years ago and you're like uh we'd have to have a conversation about that yeah the book you know (laughs) which nothing wrong with that no it's actually probably need, good need those conversations yeah we do um but then there are also books that you need to like give to kids that you go you need to learn how to read this on your own and i think that book can become like a, a it felt like a family book like someone was reading this before i went to bed and my memories of it i have different memories of it throughout my lifetime mm-hmm um i even have a very distinct memory of maybe being 17 or 18 years old my parents had all our books downstairs we had a wall of books probably a good thousand to fifteen hundred books downstairs just so many my parents were avid readers but that one i pulled out and i was like why was i so scared of this as a kid and i read it and i was like oh this is cute and then i put it back and um i think I think this is one of those books that's just going to always be um, something you pass along to kids. Yeah. 50 years? I can't believe I was 50 years old. I thought it was like the 90s, honestly. No, well, the I was looking at like the different editions and the cover. The cover has not really changed since no. 71. No. They've added some, like this book was also one of those like touch, uh, like yeah. the sound ones. It was like one yes. of those for a minute and like Maybe they added a, a circle or, or something as like a, I don't know, here's more information about this book. But like for the most part, this cover has stayed the same over the, you know, 60 plus editions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I it's mean, kudos mentioned- to them for yeah. creating an iconic, long lasting cover that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything in there, too, that has a reference to time. I think it's just all very evergreen things like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the app because I very distinctly remember, I don't know if I was babysitting a kid or was in class, someone was reading that book on their iPad and mm-hmm. there is a part with the ropes 
with a rope yeah. but you mm-hmm. can get the kids it's very tactile oh. the kids can press the ropes and Ro- grover will respond being like no don't like so and they're fun. pulling the ropes away or you can just turn the page and the ropes go away but you can even like slowly torture that's so funny <laughs> grover Aww, with it. i want to play that too i love that yeah that's um, great so i don't yeah i don't think that that one is gonna go away i was actually thinking my niece is turning five next month Ooh, when did that happen um and i'm always like i don't know what to get her for her birthday usually it's a, a brand new pair of vans because auntie titi momo loves vans so we're gonna give vans to, <laughs> to and she loves them um but i might gift her a, a set of these books i don't think they have them um but give them the monster at the end of the book the hide and seek one and <laughs> the resting one because <laughs> we both my brother and i both love these as kids so there was yeah. there was a couple and i don't know if this is just me blending my memories together but was there a grover book where he plays super grover yes i had that one i don't remember what the book was but i just remember him being a superhero and he had that little uh tin foil crown kind of like or a night something. hat kind of a thing yeah yeah i don't know if that's in the same i don't know if that's a golden book lovable grover like book series yeah because i think super grover came out a little bit after that's very much childhood like 90s like i think there was super grover that's when you know that's why i thought this book was probably in the 90s because those all kind of blend together but yeah i think those sesame street books the lovable grover series i love the rest but book now that you mentioned it i do remember that more and more i remember the sea in the scene like (laughs) the cover is him just like gently resting on toys like with his, <laughs> his hands under his chin his feet up he's like hey how you doing do you want to calm down oh, mom really? wants you to calm down that's why we're reading this book that is uh, oh see, yeah i think i'm gonna get these for her and also my nephew can enjoy them as well but i think that's what i yeah i would give them and i'm actively probably going to yeah um which is great yeah i don't think there's any situational stuff in that book too that i think like if you if you gave it to your nephew and your niece and your nephew read those books to the to the younger sibling no, be like, let's around. just yeah. oh is it the other way around sorry yeah it's uh, nephew, other yeah. way around <laughs> sorry um you didn't know <laughs> you no know. i should memorize everyone's family uh <laughs> uh but i think even like if a younger like i do remember my sister reading this book to me because she's three years older than me two and a half years older than me and it went from my parents and my grandparents reading this book to my sister reading this book to me being able to read it on my own it's a Mm -hmm. very like there's no there's nothing in that book where like oh we have to explain something to a kid it's just like a very much like we're all scared of something so what are we scared of and it's it's, it's a universal truth we talk about in improv how improv scenes should focus on the relationship right and like not on what you're doing and this book focuses like on the relationship of like you and grover in mm-hmm. this moment right it's like the two of you asking he's asking you to not do something because he's scared and um and you kind of like pushing him through this moment to get to the end of the book right so yeah. 
it also kind of like there's so much that could you could keep playing this game right between you and, and the book for a long time if there are even more pages you could keep doing it because you're focusing yeah. on just like the two of you or whoever's reading the book and grover in this moment in time so yeah i do think too there's this like good improv scenes you don't ever want somebody to like win or lose but this scene where like this particular uh, sorry this book where like at the end you feel like grover's gonna lose because we're just pushing him out of his comfort zone and in the mm -hmm. end he ends up like turning it out on you and it's just very it's like a great humbling moment where it's like oh we pushed someone too far and then they like he like, has well. that that learning moment that like that yeah. final turn is like oh oh i learned something about myself in this moment in this in this yeah. story and Very then the, and then the final out is oh, i'm so embarrassed <laughs> so really we should talk about how this is just a five-point structure of an <laughs> you know what we should do we should go down to like uh to one of the open stages and just do this and see if anybody even notices right <laughs> <laughs> and just fully commit don't even break we just do the entire thing and see if anyone in the audience goes is this the monster at the end of the book? Is this the, which is what they did in Supernatural? Is what they did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> exactly. What they Someone did. already did this. That's okay, but they haven't done it for comedy yet. So mm -hmm. let's let's go. All right. Uh, what day is it? Monday? Is there is there a Tuesday open stage at the Annoyance this week? Oh, I'm... can you memorize it in twenty four hours? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. I got it done. I've got um, my Grover outfit. I'll yeah. be Grover. Great. Perfect. I'll I'll bring the bricks to. Build the room. Uh, <laughs> All right, object work. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, if you brought a whole box of bricks, I'd I'd be impressed. But Thank you. you don't have to. Okay, um, I'll bring them with my imagination. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, Katie, any final thoughts on the uh, monster at the end of the book before we before I let you go? Uh, my last thought. And it's a question more than anything. Okay. Did you, when you were a kid, when you first read this, did you know that Grover was going to be the monster at the end? And maybe again, I was just too scared. But I think for young kids, they don't have enough self-awareness at that moment when they first read this book. They go, oh, he's talking about himself. And so you discover with Grover at the same time. Or did you read the book and you're like, eh, it's Grover? I don't know. I don't remember the first time I read this, mm -hmm. um, if I'm being honest. But again, I don't remember being scared of this book. So probably. Yeah. Um, I remember this book, but I have like more memories, if I'm being honest, with the Resting Places book and the Hide and Seek one. <laughs> did I, did, I really like the Resting Places one a lot. <laughs> look at him sleep <laughs> everywhere like, look at me i'm a little kidney bean uh so yeah i don't remember if i even though it says starring lovable furry old grover we still don't maybe we don't know i you know maybe what i'll do is be curious and i can make a post about this later um uh i don't think my niece has read this mm -hmm. so maybe i'll ask my brother and sister-in-law to read this to her Mm -hmm. and see if she knows and ask them to see if she knows who the monster is i'd be curious to see like how kids like perceive yeah perceive this book i'm always curious because i don't remember for myself so yeah yeah 
I think that's my biggest thought at the end of this is do kids have, do, do kids know, or do they, are they shocked by the end as well? Because yeah. I don't quite remember it. I think I just have a better memory because for a long time I was so scared of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you caused a little, little bit of, a little trauma, a little trauma a little, for you. Yeah, just a little, a little bit. Light, light trauma. A light, tra um, <laughs> a light trauma. It's a little bit more palatable. Uh, okay. But I, I wonder when do kids get the joke? Because it's a big joke, is really yeah, what it is. It when is. do they understand the joke? Yeah. Well, we'll have to ask my niece and see see she what she is. says. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for joining us on Momo's Bookcase. Um, it's been delightful. Thank you for taking us down this uh, Sesame Street. You know what? If you ever need to ask me, I know how to get to Sesame Street, okay? You know? Only on sunny days, though. Momo's Bookcase is created, edited, and produced by me, Morgan Phillips Potts. And our theme music is by Nia D'Amelio. For more information about Momo's Book Club, follow us at Momo's Book Club on all platforms or go to www.momosbookclub.com. Momo's Bookcase is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com 